everybody. It is my delight on this episode of Words, Images, and Worlds to be talking with someone I, I've talked with a couple of times now. I think this might be the third time we've connected, uh, and that is Gareth Hines. Gareth, thank you so much for jumping on and talking with me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to have you. You and I connected about two years ago, I think it was, because I was interviewing you um, for a project that became a post on YA Wednesday. It was a YA Wednesday piece out there, which is Steve Bickmore's site. I uh, used a little bit of that in a chapter that I worked on. And then also, uh, we talked last fall, uh, you and I, or is that you and me? English teacher, I need to get that right. <laughs> uh, and Alexis Fajardo mm-hmm. gathered yep. together on a on a Zoom. Um, so that's out there somewhere uh, on YouTube as well. Yeah. It's, it's out there somewhere. So glad to talk with you again. Always a pleasure, and always a pleasure to talk about your work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, appreciative. Yeah, I, I, oh. I love talking comics in general, and, and I'm always happy to talk about my work and what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm appreciating once more, you, you've got the Iliad mm-hmm. back there being represented visually. That's a book that lives on my classroom shelf, along with the Odyssey, Romeo and Juliet, and uh, your adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. Mm-hmm. There are so many that are that are out there that are really wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've yeah. been doing this for a while now. It's uh, crazy. I've got like 11 or 12 books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure there's something on the drawing table now as well. I'm sure there's something in development that you're working on. Uh, there seems yeah. to always be that. So uh, looking forward to whatever that happens to be, if it be, if it's something that's uh, guarded by an NDA at the moment, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, it's not. But... No, I'm, 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 I'm happy to talk about what I'm working on. Oh, great, um, great. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can start with that. Um so uh, since Graceling came out uh, now about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I've been working since then on, well, I've actually been doing a bunch of collaborative things, some of which I can't talk about, but the main things that I'm working on, I can talk about, which is um, I'm doing the Aeneid uh, as, oh, a follow-up, as a follow-up to the Odyssey and the Iliad, um, because, you know, I never... I never really got many requests for the Aeneid or thought I would get many requests for the Aeneid until after the Iliad came out. And then I guess, you know, I have like a legion of young fans who are like, where's the ending of the Trojan War? Um, Because, of course, that's not really covered. It's really not covered in the Iliad at all. And it's only sort of alluded to in the Odyssey. Um, So for the sort of full story of that, you have to you have to read the Aeneid. So um so yeah, so that's what I'm. That's going to be my next big graphic novel, uh, and then I'm also doing a picture book. This hasn't been announced, but it's also not like super secret. Um, which is a picture book that I'm doing uh, that I'm writing with my wife. That is about the um, Battle of Marathon, the historical battle that inspired the modern day marathon, and uh. um, so that'll be kind of a longer format picture book, like a 48 page picture book for like elementary school. Um, and, and maybe into middle school, whenever those, uh, when, you know, whenever people are teaching about uh, the marathon, if they live close to, let's say, the Boston Marathon route, that's that's actually, we know a lot of teachers who who specifically teach about the, the marathon, but also just whenever you learn about democracy, because it was a pivotal point in the, in the formation and preservation of democracy. Fantastic. Is that your, um, 
is that your first picture book? Is that right? Or well, so I did a I did a book called Gifts from the Gods um, a number of years ago, which is kind of a hybrid. You know, it's kind of a picture book format, but it has a lot of paneled sequences. Um, and so, so I kind of count that as a picture book. So maybe this is my second, um, but this is for even a slightly younger audience than that book was. Um, and it's my guess it's technically my first um non-fiction book that i've written although i've yeah. illustrated um illustrated samurai rising a couple of years ago um which was a great non-fiction novel by pam turner not a novel i don't know what you call it it's a non-fiction prose book um about one of japan's most famous samurai so uh but but i've ne I'd never i've never written a picture book or a non-fiction book before so the okay. right the writing part of that is new love it and it sounds like you have a a wonderful built-in collaboration there as well. Um, yep. So always good to have a positive collaborator and especially yeah. if you're living under the same roof. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not seamless because you still have to figure out, you know, how, how you work together creatively is very different from how you, you know, do chores together or whatever, but, um, but it has been, uh, it has been really cool and we're, we're very excited about that book. Uh, that is exciting. And I'm always, I'm excited when people that, um, kind of work in a particular form or for a particular audience expand. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the things I always like to mention when people talk about that is, you know, readers can then grow with you mm -hmm. um, getting to know your work early on. And then, Oh, that's that person. Oh, that, that art looks familiar. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's a really great experience to carry from year to year too. And I'm excited about the Aeneid. Mm -hmm. that, that will be lovely. And I imagine it's been a while since I've read the Aeneid, but I imagine that will be quite an epic book as well. Yeah, for for those who are less familiar with the story, it's 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 kind of inspired by both the Odyssey and the Iliad, and it's the story of um, Aeneas, who's one of the Trojan heroes, uh, escaping the sack of Troy and going on this epic journey to try and find a new homeland where he can where he can found a new city. Um, which he turns out to do that in Western Italy on the, you know, banks of the Tiber River. And so that becomes Rome. Um, and really, it was Vir uh, Virgil wrote this, it's written much later than the Odyssey and the Iliad, and it was actually written as opposed to being an oral epic. Um, so there's some differences there. But he was specifically trying to glorify Rome and connect it back to the Trojan heroes and back to the gods um when he when he wrote that. So there's a there's an interesting kind of propaganda element to it. Um, and it's more sort of self-conscious of the way it, it meshes like history and mythology. Um, you know, that, that, that intertwining of history and mythology is one of the things that I love about the Homeric epics. Um, yeah. but that's sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, um, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a less, uh, it's a less consciously designed, uh, you know, narrative in, in that case. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of things that are, they're really fun in the Aeneid. And there's a lot of things that actually, I think that, um, I mean, Virgil's poetry is, is sort of, I, I this, I actually can't vouch for this. His poetry is exquisite in Latin, which I don't read. Um, <laughs> it, it, it sounds like it would be the case though. <laughs> yes. Um, but the, um, but his descriptions aren't quite as specific in a lot of cases as Homer's descriptions. So there's a lot of things I think in the story that are actually kind of harder for the reader to picture. And so it's been fun to illustrate those things and really bring them to life. And I think that's going to, you know, I think that's going to be a positive uh, experience for any 
any of my, you know, young fans, again, who want the rest of the story or any, um, you know, Latin students who are trying to struggle through it in Latin to have, you know, right. some illustrations beside them. Yeah, yeah. I, I met a Latin teacher, a Latin high school teacher this past week. So uh, mm -hmm. Latin lives on, even though it's not a spoken language, it still right. lives on as as something that's out there. So uh, I'll be curious to kind of compare that um, side by side with the Odyssey mm -hmm. and the Iliad to to look at those. Um, and it's been a while since I've read the Aeneid, so looking forward to revisiting that. And I also appreciate the range of what you've done in graphic novels, because mm -hmm. you have you have these epics, you have Shakespeare adaptations, but then you also have Edgar Allan Poe, and then Changeling, or um, yeah, Graceling. Changeling, Graceling. Sorry, yep. I don't know why I was thinking Changeling. I yep. think Picard season three is still in my head. Graceling. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, take some more of that kind of contemporary fantasy uh, kind of approach. And so when I first saw that, I think I saw it on NetGalley or something. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, well, that looks great. And then I saw your name and I was like, well, that's why. Yeah. Um, so I was really excited to see the the contemporary sort of fantasy as well. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a conscious choice that I really wanted to kind of move away. Like, I, lo I love the, the ancient epics, but I had after working on the on the Iliad for um, you know, like three years, I was, I felt like I was so steeped in this kind of tribalism and toxic masculinity. And I wanted to do something that had a more contemporary feel and that had a female protagonist and, you know, just, you know, it was, it was a, a, a conscious departure. Um, and I had, and I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, it still has a lot of those elements that I love the action and the, the big personalities and, um, a lot of great, uh, landscape and, you know, stuff like that. But, um, but with it, yeah, much, much different, much more modern sensibility to it. I imagine creatively that's it's really nice to sort of try your hand at something or even yeah. I don't I don't know that I want to say take a break from it, but yeah. um, just yeah. kind of apply something new. Yeah, I mean, I did. I wanted a little bit of a break from the ancient uh, epic sensibility and also um, the um, let's see, what am I trying to say? Um that I wanted to do that experiment of doing an adaptation with a living author who I knew, um, you know, that, again, because I was I've kind of been moving this more collaborative direction. And it was like, oh, I really want to see what that process is like and kind of do it in the in the optimal way with somebody that I know that I, I, I love their work, but I also really like them and we have a mutual trust. Um, so that was because so, Kristen and I knew each other, um, for years before I, uh, set out on that adaptation. Um, and, and indeed that was, that was probably one of the, you know, the highlights of the book was to, to sort of do that process with her. And that went really, really, really well. Um, and, and, you know, nobody asked, but the, the down, the, the, the low, low lights of the, of the project was that it came out right in the middle of the pandemic and also right in the middle of the publisher merger, so I don't think that the I don't think the book got as as wide of a of an audience as it could have, um, which is very unfortunate. But I still, you know, I hear all the time from people who, you know, who did, you know, find it um, in the library or in the store and, and really loved it. Um, and there's there are a legion of her fans out there somewhere who don't know about it yet. So, you know, it's always I try to keep spreading the word as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, it is out there. And. I was talking with an author the other day and I said, you know, I think there needs to be a in case you missed it kind of publishing movement where right. there are some 2020, 2021 book tours that get to be sort of like revisited that Absolutely. happen. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if there's any publicists listening to this podcast, you know, reach out to some of these authors who had a book, you know, kind of fizzled during the pandemic, because there's there's some kind of like cooperative opportunity there to to, you know, relaunch some of these books. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, with digital publishing, even that yeah. uh, branch of things, it would not be that expensive. I mm -hmm. imagine I'm not an executive or a publicist, but uh, it wouldn't be that big of a reach to mm -hmm. to go back and find some of those books because there's mm -hmm. a lot of good stuff being published yeah. as there continues to be. Yeah. Um, so definitely recommend Graceling. Um, any collaborators, you mentioned moving toward collaboration, anybody out there that you would just love, like the dream of collaborating mm -hmm. with them? Yeah, well, I mean, I have a couple of good friends that I have sort of initiated some collaborations with that are that are currently just kind of simmering. And I don't know if they're going to go anywhere. So I can't say too much about those. Um, I would. Um, I don't know. I mean, I so for one thing, I would I the Aeneid is um, a favorite of Madeline Miller's and I've already told okay. her that I'm doing it. Um and she, you know, she doesn't have the bandwidth to really collaborate with me on it, but I would love to do something with her at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, of course, her, you know, her audience overlaps, you know, quite, potentially quite well with mine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I'm weirdly, I've been thinking it would be interesting to like write a book that somebody else illustrated. And so, you know, some of my, some of my favorite, um, illustrators are people like, you know, Sean Tan, um, oh, yeah. you know, he, he's amazing. Um, Joe Ryu, um, uh, you know, there, there, like there's, there's a whole, I don't know, there's, you know, I, off the top of my head, of course, I'm stalling, but th there's probably like a dozen people that would be like on the short list where I, where if, you know, if I had a manuscript that was ready to go, which I do not. Um, but, you know, I have a few things that I've sort of thought about that way, like, oh, this is a this is a project that I want to keep working on. But I might, you know, be it might be something that I would tell my agent, hey, you know, you could just sell this as a manuscript and attach somebody else to it as the illustrator. Um uh, and, you know, but then also conversely, um, one of the things that I'll just put out there for any any writers who are listening to this podcast is that um, my understanding is that adaptations of contemporary novels don't, you know, never do as well as the original novel. And um, and one of the things that I think would be would be really cool is if more people were doing, um, you know, sort of spinoff things. So it's like if you have a, you know, a series that has done pretty well and you have some idea for a short story or novella that is in that world, it might be more productive and cooler for, you know, to like approach that as a graphic novel project rather than like adapting your novel. Very true. Very true. Yeah. That's a, a great creative direction to take too. And, you know, a lot of times thinking the education the education side of things, there's that like pair up of, yeah. like, oh, we're going to read this and this. But imagine the possibilities of creating readers with this idea of, oh, you love this series or, oh, we've mm -hmm. looked at this book. Well, did you know that there's also this piece? And yeah. uh, one of the things I was going to make sure that we talk about, at least briefly, because we've done a, a full other thing about it with mm -hmm. um, with Alexis Fajardo, yeah. is the idea that, you know, comics do bring their complexity. And so just thinking yeah. about the visualizing aspect of reading 
yeah. imagine the possibilities for then going, oh, well, this is what this person imagines. How mm-hmm. How is my vision of this different? How is it the same? I mean, there's some really great possibility there. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and there are some, some authors have already, you know, kind of entered that world. Like, you know, JK Rowling is like not writing any more Harry Potter books, but she's writing all these other, you know, things that are sort of different formats. And so it's like that kind of idea, I think other, you know, authors could be exploiting. Um, But I know a lot of authors don't work that way. Like I actually talked to Kristen about that and she's like, no, I like sort of meticulously build up this novel and I don't, I don't have these like ideas for novellas or whatever that are just floating around. Um, but some authors do have that. So, yeah. I would love to see a Madeline Miller collaboration. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be wonderful. Wonderful. Really appreciate yeah. her work. Um, the other thing that I'll mention as far as the education side is for educators that are thinking, you know, I've only got so much time. I've got 180 days, most likely if I'm in middle school or I've got mm-hmm. 90 days if I'm in high school. Block schedule allows for a little more, but there's also the thing of, um, the work you do allows for a lot of wide reading in a relatively short amount of time. And you can go in and you can do close analysis, but if you were trying to cover uh, the word cover probably doesn't fit it, but if you're Mm -hmm. trying to teach and talk about the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid in a single semester, that would be impossible um, in a high school classroom, most likely, but with your graphic novel adaptations, and really thinking creatively, then you can expose readers to quite a bit. And it's really interesting work. Yeah. And that's really, um, you know, kind of like my dream, you know, when I did when I did the Iliad, my dream was, OK, now everybody who's teaching the Odyssey or the Iliad, maybe mm-hmm. they can have time to teach them both in this format. Um, and I don't know how many people have have taken that up as, a, as an idea or as an opportunity, but like um yeah i am hoping and then with the aeneid i'm hoping that 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 will be sort of treated as a trilogy that you could burn through in the in the unit that you would have allocated to you know just the iliad because the iliad is so complex um that in this format maybe you could do all three and and there are creative possibilities there this Mm -hmm. past semester um i wasn't required to teach the odyssey but i did do a little mini kind of lesson on it and so we looked at a little bit of the odyssey uh we had your adaptation and then i also showed some clips from oh brother where art thou just to Mm -hmm. kind of transmedia you know carry it across in in a range of ways so um all of that to say i appreciate what you're doing and i hope that people out there will look at it take it up i know many people have but Mm -hmm. uh, many many more um could benefit from thinking about it as well yeah. And I will say also just, you know, for, for the teachers who are listening that, um, you know, on my webpage, there's a, there's a, there is a teachers for teachers page that has a lot of the resources that I, that are available for teaching my books, which includes teachers guides for a bunch of them and like links to, you know, where you can find a lot of my videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah, that That's where I was going to go next, which was okay. educator resources. And yeah. I'll make sure to link those in the podcast description. Um, are you going to be at any, I know you do educational conferences sometimes, uh, now that we're living in the, is it post pandemic? <laughs> I don't well, know. Let's say <laughs> let's <hope>. optimistically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully fingers crossed and, and yeah. everything. Um, now that we're kind of in that space again, are you planning on attending any conventions, conferences in the coming 
Uh, yeah. Um, so the so the big one that I do pretty much every year is uh, NCTE, the National Council of Teachers of English. Um, that's in Columbus, Ohio this year. I'll be at that. It's always in November. It's always the weekend before Thanksgiving um, so that you can sort of combine the combine it into your Thanksgiving vacation or something. I guess that's why they do it at that time. Um, and uh, it's a fantastic show. Um, I love being at it. It's it's uh, usually very well attended by um, you know, regional teachers from wherever they're having it because it moves around every year and then teachers who come back every year no matter where it is. And they're all just super dedicated and inspired and it's inspiring. You know, it's like we all know there's so much teacher burnout and it's such a hard profession, but to, you know, see teachers who are really fired up about it and really looking for resources and best practices and I mean, the exhibit hall is great, but the, like the, the session list is insane. It's like I, more than any other show you would look at it. I mean, I'm not a teacher, so I don't get this quite as much, but like my, uh, my wife was an educator at one point and she looks at the, at the list and it's like for every time block, there's like six sessions that she's like, Oh my God, I want to go to all of those, you know? Oh yeah. Um, so it's, it's a, that's a tremendous show. Um, I also go to some of the librarian shows. Sometimes I go to ALA or, uh, TLA Texas library association. We actually just went to that, um, this year, uh, for the first time in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely NCTE. Yeah, yeah, and I hope to see you there. I'm hoping to attend this year. I've done the virtual thing. Awesome. Yep. Um, so hoping to actually get to be in the physical yeah. space uh, this year. So it's so much better to connect in, with you in person. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and by the way, uh, you know, I keep I keep mentioning my wife, and I should also say when we're talking about educator resources, um, my wife is the buyer for First Book, which is the literacy nonprofit. So if you're in a Title One school or a Title One eligible school, any teacher from from um, you know that that's eligible through Title One eligibility can sign up with First Book. It's FirstBook.org uh, or the First Book Marketplace. And it's basically a deeply discounted bookstore and it's very, it's curated and there's all these different like sections. So if you're looking for, you know, Asian American characters or authors, or you're looking for, you know, classics, or you're looking for, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, social, emotional learning, like any of these like hot, you know, topics that you really might be looking for resources in your classroom, they've got it all like tagged very well. Uh, and deeply, deeply discounted. So that's a great resource um, for anybody who's in in that type of program. And also, if you're in like a, um, you know, a program for incarcerated youth, or basically you meet some threshold for how much of the of the, um, you know, the people that you're serving, how how many of them are you know below the poverty line, basically is the is the metric. Um, so that's, that's a really nice, um, resource. And they also sometimes like give out codes for free books and stuff like that. So, um, so that's a good one. I will link that as well so that folks can check it out. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I was thinking earlier, right before I got on with you about other, uh, resources. And I mean, there's a lot of resources now for teaching graphic novels and there's a lot mm -hmm. of different places to look for them. Uh, I know, I, I don't know if this is, um, you know, still kind of a leader in the space, but for a long time reading with pictures.org, mm -hmm. they were a really mm -hmm. good place to look for, for resources. Um, and I think they still are. Um, yeah. And like, you know, if you, um, a lot of the publishers now, you know, just on the publisher websites, they'll have a guide to, you know, teacher's guides for their graphic novels and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of different places to look now, but, um, but those are some, some good ones. 
Uh, you mentioned the the tab on your website. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of creators that that also do that because yeah. um, I was yeah. talking with oh his name just left me. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking with another person, another educator that does graphic novel mm -hmm. um, teacher guides, and, and that's mm -hmm. kind of a thing that that he makes sure to focus on. And so they they are becoming more widely available and uh, more of a a resource that's readily out there. So definitely worth checking out. And I'll mention pop culture classroom mm -hmm. as, uh, as yeah. another place. And I think reading with pictures is still going strong. I think mm -hmm. um, yeah. that might've been the group that hosted the talk that we did um, last fall as well. Cool. Yeah. 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 They're good. There's good people there. Um, and the um, uh, you mentioned like a lot of authors have put Put up educator resources on their web pages which is totally true and also during the pandemic a lot of them put up like videos um you know drawing um participatory drawing activities and things like that so if you're looking for i mean especially i think that focused a little bit more on younger kids but like any if you're looking for some kind of like drawing exercises or tips or any you know participatory kind of thing there's a lot of authors who have great video series about that um I mean, Jarrett Krasoshka springs to mind, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of folks who've done really good ones. And you have a YouTube channel as well. I, I have a YouTube channel as well, yeah. And I don't I don't post a ton of content, but for every definitely for every book that I do, I at least post some process uh, videos and show like how it how I created it and different stages of the process. Very cool, very yeah. cool. And uh, especially, I'm thinking about teachers that may be moving from place to place. There's lots of change in education right now, as there always is. Um, teachers that are new to the profession, uh, yeah. you don't have to create everything from scratch. Yeah. There's right. so much out there, which when I started teaching in 2007 was not the case. So um, great for folks to know about those resources. And, yeah. and again, I, I always recommend your books to people to make sure that they add to their libraries. The other thing that occurs to me when you're talking about like reinventing the wheel, I feel like there's 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 been a lot of good recent books about how the comics medium works, but I still feel like there's people who don't know about Understanding Comics by Scott mm. McCloud, mm -hmm. which is definitely the that was like the seminal work about how the you know how the medium of comics actually works, how it operates. And that book is still very a very good jumping off point for any graphic novel unit or anything you want to do with comics. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> Another one that that lives on my shelf and that mm -hmm. I, I cite often. So, um, yeah, yeah. So many good resources out there, and uh, thank you for being so kind to to jump on and, and talk yeah. with me. Did we miss anything that you want to make sure to share out about um, work or any of those sort of things? I don't think so. I mean. The I'll just say one like kind of general thing about graphic novels that I mean, there's there's so many reasons to use graphic novels in the classroom. And I know you talk about this all the time. Um, but I think one of the most basic ones that people don't always think about is that it's just a it's a really good way of leveling the playing field. Um, it, it just allows struggling readers or readers who are just more intimidated by the wall of text to access these texts and to participate fully in these discussions. And, you know, if they're English language learners or the dyslexic, you know, the, the shorter text with the visual support just makes a huge difference um, in sort of equalizing that, you know, access to the, to the material. Um, and then of course they, they are, you know, 
they are literature in their own right. So any any kind of you know analysis that you're used to doing, um, you know, can also be done in graphic novels. Plus all this like visual analysis, which allows students um, again, kind of just makes it if if they're intimidated by like searching through text to find symbolism or themes or whatever, suddenly you have a visual thing that they're visually searching for, you know, characterization and symbols and all this kind of stuff that is uh again just makes it more accessible for any any kid who's struggling with the language in any way absolutely and I, i'm thinking especially about older readers and how you know sometimes readers just turn off they're like reading is just not for me yeah um, it'd still be a, a gateway and an access point but then also there's so many muscles that can be built with graphic novels yeah um from the visual analysis like you mentioned to yeah. encountering that text uh, even with a wordless graphic novel, mm -hmm. yeah. I would say the, there's yeah. lots of comprehension work that can be done. So mm -hmm. definitely uh, a medium that should not be overlooked or left out. Yeah. Yeah. Always a pleasure to talk with you. I promised you a, a brief episode and I appreciate mm -hmm. the the weekend talk and always glad to talk with you in any space and in any connection uh, that we can find. Yeah, yeah, it was this was a pleasure and yeah, if I if I think of anything else you should put in the show notes, I'll let you know and if people have questions, I hope that you know there's some way that they can, you know, ask those on YouTube or something or you know, someplace and Absolutely. we can you know, figure out if we need to do a follow-up or something, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Always glad to do a follow-up as well. Great. Um so, yeah, thank you so much and All right. Take care. You too.